Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast that's devoted to living enthusiastically today and tomorrow and every other day. I am your host, Dr. Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist and the author of the best-selling and award-winning book, Rejuvenating, The Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. As you may know, once a month, I present a personal training program dealing with rejuvenating or some aspect of goal-achieving psychology or the mental health gym, which I've developed. But the other three weeks, we have interesting and informative guests who live their lives enthusiastically and give us all kinds of helpful information so that we can lead our lives in the most enthusiastic manner. People come to these directions in different ways, and today's guest is really a unique person, both in terms of her own personal style, but also in terms of her background and what she's accomplished to lead her life enthusiastically and help others to do so. Nada Hogan is the host of Dare a New Belief podcast, and we'll get into the spelling of that in a little bit. She's also the founder of the new of the Dare a New Belief Transformational Coaching, where your beliefs change your lives. Nada has served clients in the healing arts for more than 30 years. She earned her collegiate degrees in sociology, occupational therapy, and most recently in acupuncture and transformational life coaching. Nada was devastated when she unexpectedly lost her 18-year-old daughter. It's a parent's worst nightmare. But through that loss, she learned firsthand that the power to change was available within yourself. It doesn't matter how unfair the circumstances, and those are absolutely unfair. It is solely your choice of how you're going to respond. Through spiritual laws and principles, Nada teaches how to navigate through the pain and immobilization from the loss of a loved one and other life traumas to access your body's wisdom to go into the world boldly and live as audaciously succulent a life as possible, carrying with you cherished memories, but not being defined by your loss. Nada, you're an amazing person, and I am so happy to have you on our podcast. Welcome. Uh, Thank you, Ron. And I am so thrilled to be here. It is an honor to spend this time with you. So thank you for having me on your show. Well, I'm really looking forward to all that you have to say. I hope we can fit it into one podcast, but we (laughs) we may require more than one. But I couldn't give you that introduction and then leave things hanging. So obviously, Most of us have not had to deal with the devastation and loss that you did. I don't want people to be thinking about what that means. So if you don't mind, can we start with you telling us uh, about the loss of your daughter and how you've managed to respond to it? Well, thank you for asking that. And because it is, she's she is my pride and joy, along with my son. So I had a, a daughter and a son. So my daughter was 18 years old and she had just left a graduation party and was on her way home. 
and a friend had called, had too much to drink and needed a ride home. And, and she was just that kid that would help anybody out. It, you know, she just loved people. And so she picked him up and she gave him a ride home. And on her way home, a man ran a red light, an elderly well, he was 59, so I guess I can't say elderly since I'm pushing that age now too. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> but an older man, 59, had ran a red light and hit and killed her instantly. So there was a lot of stuff going on. And, and that's the thing. And this is why it's so, you know, it, 11 years has gone by, Ron, and, and it's still so mind boggling. I mean, there's, I'm always putting pieces together because my son was getting into a lot of trouble at that time, a lot of trouble. And at 6 a.m., the cops had knocked on our door. It was an early Saturday morning. I was leaving Monday morning to go to Montana to look after my father, whose health was failing. So the police knock at our door at 6 a.m. And I'm just like, well, what did he do now? Thinking it was my son getting into trouble because cops had been at our door before. So I wasn't surprised to see the police. My son was 16. And they came inside and kept asking questions about my daughter. There was such a disconnect because she never got into trouble. I never, I, I could not understand until I noticed the one police officer's badge and it said chaplain. It didn't say police officer, you know, just chaplain. It's like, oh my God. And I, at one moment I was at my kitchen table and the next moment I was in my kitchen. I don't even, I don't remember getting up. I don't know how I got from one place to another. It was just complete shock. So the uh, morgue calls and says, you know, if you want to see your daughter, I'm doing my best not to cry. So I'm hanging in here. <laughs> if you want to see your daughter, you know, you can come on over. And um, she was a donor. And so they were going to start doing, you know, whatever it is to, to you know, the operations, the surgery part to, for her to be a donor, to donate. And I just remember driving over there and just thinking, if, if, and it would just seem like such an odd thing to be saying, but I meant it. If you could just pop your head out of the clouds and let me know that you're okay, I'll be okay. But I need to know you're okay. Just pop your head out of the clouds and, and let me know that you are okay. Well, talking to a friend at her funeral who had lost her son probably 12 years prior, I had said to her, you know, that I kept saying to Dara, if you would just pop your head out of the clouds. And I thought, I know you guys think I'm crazy, but her daughter looked at the mom, the mom's name is Julie, and, and they both looked at me and just had the smile on their face. And I said, what? Like, did you see her? And they said, no, but after the brother and the son's passing, his name was Brian, when they left the funeral and they looked up in the cloud, he loved fish. And when they looked up in the clouds, there was, there was a fish cloud, like how you would draw, how a kid would draw a goldfish. There was a fish cloud and they said, that was all we knew. So it was that synchronicity. It was that there was a connection that's on a level that there's just not words, right? People embrace you and love you and support you. But that was one of the things that was so key because it was so internal. I don't know if that makes sense, but it was, unless you've been in those shoes, you don't, you just don't know. You can imagine, but you just can't imagine at the same time. And, and so that synchronicity, and then there was another synchronicity and another synchronicity. And I started thinking, Oh my God. And I mean, God, oh my God, there's something going on here. And I'm part of that. I'm part of that. And Dara has to be part of that too. My daughter, her name is Dara. And I don't know what this is, but it wasn't burying me, which I thought it was going to do. It, the only way I know how to describe it 
a life force energy. I wasn't doing acupuncture at the time. A life force energy rose up in me. And I think that's just our higher self. I think that's our soul that just opens up. And sometimes people say it's a broken heart that just opens and there's just light. There's just a path. It's just a different path. It, it's so hard to explain exactly, but that, that life force energy, I just kept getting better and I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't going to counseling. I wasn't going to support groups. I didn't like the support groups. I, I went and listened to one man speak. And I think he was a psychologist, no offense, but he had said something and it was just like, oh man, I can't believe this. And I, yeah, he was a psychologist and, and I think he's a well-known speaker. Well, he had said something along the lines of, you know, I understand how you parents feel who have lost children because I just recently lost my mom. And I thought, really, you're a psychologist. I, I lost my mom. I, that is not the same as losing a child. That, that's a completely different thing. We expect our parents to pass away. We don't expect our children to pass away. It's completely different. So I was like, all right, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with the outside world teaching me because Somehow, and I think this was just my connection to God that just got strong, that I connected to spirit or, you know, creator, what, you know, whatever we want to refer to this, this power that's outside of us, but is also inside of us. Did I answer that question or did I ramble? Sure. No, that's, that's great. But it kicks off another question, which is aside from these external factors and the connections and so on. Were you historically a strong person? In other words, were you the the kind of person who took the lead and dealt with challenges? Well, is this kind of a an extension of who you were, or did you find yourself being a new person at that point? Well, I absolutely found myself being a new person. I think I have always historically been strong, but you know what? As I go along, I think it was a a, a facade. I think it was that big, I'll, I'll put on the big, the show and make it look like I'm strong. But, but I, don't, I don't think I was as strong as I thought that I was, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I, and that was the thing that was so, I mean, it caught my attention so much it, because it felt like it wasn't just me. It, it really did feel like there was this, this power that was with me doing this because I wasn't in a good place with my marriage at the time of my daughter's passing. Like I said, my son was getting into trouble enough to where police were involved. And I didn't feel strong in that at all. I felt like I was breaking down and I, and I was searching, trying to find help for my son and help for my marriage. And none of that was happening. And I actually felt very much like a victim that, that everything was falling apart. I've done all that I could and none of this is working. Then the ultimate tragedy happens and it's like, boom, who is this person showing up? Because it wasn't the native that I knew before. So yeah, a a little bit strong, I would say, but absolutely nothing, nothing like this new native that showed up. Absolutely not the same person. And how and when did you decide to turn this into such a, a fabulous platform for helping others? Oh, I think... Almost immediately, because Dara's friends, you know, were 17, 18, 19 years old, all within that range. And they all came to me for condolence, you know, and, and figuring this out and advice and how, how do I do this? And I just had words for them to help them. 
And I never knew where those words came from. It was almost like, like they were given to me and whether they were given to me from Dara or from our connection to God, I don't know. But, but it felt like I started that platform of coaching and helping and supporting. And honest to God, I think the only reason that I was able to do that is because I was at such a low place previous to her, her passing in this car accident that I knew what it felt like to be hopeless, what it felt like to be desperate, what it felt like to feel like, you know, this is the end of the road. And if I didn't have children, I mean, I contemplated suicide for sure. And saying, if I didn't have kids, would I just check out? Yeah, I think I would. Because I mean, nothing was good in my life, nothing. So when I knew that feeling of desperation so intimately, and then have this experience of my of losing my daughter, which really should have put me over the brink. And, and I mean, mentally, where I am in an insane asylum, the opposite happened where I was able to help other people find the strength in them, find some kind of good in this situation that looked bad all the way around including the man that hit her and they started getting better and they started feeling better and taking the steps to make their life better. I think that that was my platform. That's my platform where it started. And then I had gone to school for acupuncture. That was only because I needed to do something to keep my head focused on something. I couldn't go back to my old job. I was behind the wheel driving instructor. There was no way I was going to teach young kids how to drive after that. So I went back to school for acupuncture. It was three years. It's a master's program. And I knew my head would be focused in school. So when I graduated acupuncture and started working with patients and started realizing that people are coming in and they have emotional blocks in the body, had nothing to do with their physical body. They had x-rays, they had MRIs, they had CAT scans. They, they run every test imaginable in Western medicine, couldn't figure out the pain or the gastro digestive problems. I completely lost my train of thought. Anything that migraines, they could not figure out what was happening. And when we started talking, we started realizing there was some kind of an emotional block. So that really put me on a platform to there's something big happening. And if we can tap into that emotional thing that's blocking that life force energy inside of you, then we can really start opening things up and, and moving past that pain. And that would have been my second biggest platform that then really got me into coaching. It was after that, that I knew I needed to get certified in coaching and really start practicing this and helping people get out of that despair and hopelessness and victimhood and really be able to thrive and truly live this audaciously passionate life, no matter what their circumstances are. That's a wonderful story. And it reminds me of the fact that in the field of positive psychology, where I come from, uh, there is a substantial literature now in the area of post-traumatic growth. We always think of trauma leading to post-traumatic stress. And the reality is that there are a substantial number of people who, like yourself, have been able to move from trauma to actually grow as a human being, and in your case, help many other people to grow. So, you know, I'm really applauding you for, for being able to talk about it and for all you do for others. Now, while the, the focus so far has really been on 
this particular trauma that you've had to deal with. Again, in the Rejuvenating podcast, we focus on living enthusiastically. And I think you've made it clear that that's, that's kind of the way that you live and have helped others to live. And, and we talk about it relative to every age. But there are a substantial number of people who, when they think in terms of rejuvenating, they think in terms of the older years, the second half century of life, and so on. And almost uh, one of the hallmarks of that time of life is the fact that there are losses, some of which are as traumatic as yours, but some where there might be preparation for it, the loss of a career by retirement, moving to uh, either a senior facility or some other place to be closer to children, but leaving behind some friends, and the loss through death of, of friends and family members. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was talking with a professional friend who I would see at meetings from time to time and hadn't really crossed paths in the, the past five years or so. And we brought each other up to date. And I was shocked to hear that during that ensuing five years, three or four years ago, his wife died of cancer. I'd asked him, did you have preparation for it? You know, had she been ill? Did you have preparation? Were you prepared for it? And he said, that's two separate questions. Mm -hmm. I had plenty of preparation and I wasn't prepared for it. And I think that's how some people you know, view, again, retirement, the loss of others who, who are ill, loss of companionship, things of this nature. Can you give us some ideas of how, how to kind of deal with those kinds of losses where we have preparation, where we know it's coming, and it's still not, not fun? It's still very often hard to bear. Well, you know, I, I think especially for the ones when there's preparation, and I, I've heard this talked about before, I think there's a couple books written on it where when you're asking the person, if, if there is a person who's passing away, and I know I did this with my father, like, you know, what, what are the best things in life? What were the things that made you so happy? What brought you life? And whatever that was, and for him, it was hiking. And, and I would say like, so if I, if I go hiking I wouldn't hike how he did because he was a big time hiker. But if I go hiking, like I'm bringing you with me, I'm, I'm bringing your spirit with me. If you are no longer on this planet, which, you know, was obvious he was not going to be here for too much longer. I'm taking you with me. And it was a way, even though we're preparing, this person's going to pass away. But how can I bring you with? Because I think we get so caught up in this person was here and now they're not here. And, and it's, it's, and there is no preparation. I mean, that we think there is, but it's like, boom, it's done. There's no do-over. It's like, wait a second, I'm not ready. Come back. Give me, give me just one more day. That doesn't happen. But I think as you're preparing, if you can ask that person, what is the best way for me to honor you? What is the best way for me to keep you alive in my life and in the life of my family or in the life of our, our group of our friends? What is it that we can do? And I know when I have spoken to other people, they've lit up. I used to work, I was doing occupational therapy practitioner. I always work geriatrics. I love older people because they're so full of wisdom. And there was one man in particular who was dying from ALS. And it was so horrible to watch him 
decline and decline. And he ended up comfort. I, I was his OT practitioner and he's comforting me. And he says, look, on the other side, there's wonderful things happening and I get my life back. I get to be free of this body. Think of that. Be happy for me. Be happy that I'm going to this other place where I really get to live again. And that's the stuff because I don't want this to sound cold, but ultimately we're all going someplace, whatever we call that place. And I do call it heaven. We're all going. We're, none of us are going to get out of this alive. So if we can do it with, with that enthusiasm of, God, what a great ride this was. And carry that, like, so I'm leaving, but you carry my enthusiasm. You do these things that feel good to me. And, and, and maybe it's not that burst of enthusiasm, but it's just like you carry me with you by be kind to the waitress. Give her a, an extra dollar in, in my name or, you know, smile at the clerk who's checking you out. Just show up as a better person because I was on this planet. Do something sweet for another person. I think for preparation, that's the just knowing you can carry that person forward, even though they're, they're not going to be, it's, it's energy. So their energy will still be here. Their presence is still going to be here. And if I can carry that with me and do something kind for another person, I think it helps to honor that person who is passing away, who's preparing to pass away. That's really wonderful. Uh, I think enthusiasm is probably one of the most underrated emotions and behaviors in the world. Of course, it's part of the subtitle of my book, but the reason it is is because I really think that if you look at how wonderful all aspects of life are, even when there are some negatives coming in, the idea of being able to be here, to be able to turn on the shower in the morning and have the water come out at the right temperature, to be able to enjoy beautiful weather, changes of season, not so nice weather, good friendships, some of which you can help develop. But if you start out with enthusiasm, there's so many more difficulties that you can make into non-difficulties. Now, I always like to uh, explore how somebody got to be where they are at this point. And one of the things about you, I see all these degrees and things of this nature. And uh, I'm just kind of wondering, I mean, you know, did, were you dissatisfied in these other things? Did it take you that long to find yourself? What, you know, most people will say, geez, I want to go to school. Once I get out, that's it. <laughs> And you keep going back and back and back. And uh, tell us a little bit about how you got to be you at this point in your life. <laughs> so I love helping people. That that has always been with me. I just love helping people. And I love helping people go from a place of when there's, they're not smiling, there's nothing to be happy about to, oh my God, there's hope. I love hope. And actually my name, Nada, comes from Serbia. And in Serbian, it means hope. So it, it's, it's almost like it's built. Somebody told me a long time ago, a friend told me that we grow into our name and I never knew what that meant, but it's like, oh, because hope for me, it's a lifeline. It doesn't mean I'm just going to hang and hope that something happens. But when we're at the end of the rope and we tie a knot, that's hope. I'm hanging on that. I know there's got to be something. I'm, I'm, I know there's just got to be something. So to be able to be 
with that person, when you can see that light go, go off in their eyes and it's like, oh, there is something else. There is a different way to look at this. That for me has always been, or, or helping heal their health so they really can go enthusiastically and live the rest of their life. So I, I've always been in the healthcare field. I loved working in the occupational therapy field, loved it. And I loved working with older people, but I knew that there was a, just a longing, a yearning for something more. I didn't know what it was. And at that time, I actually quit my career so I could stay home and raise my kids because daycare was raising them. And I, that just wasn't going to work for me. But I didn't keep up with my CEUs. I had to let that, I could have kept that career, but I let it go because I knew there was something more and I didn't know what that was going to be. And then it was after Dara's, after Dara's passing, I was interested in acupuncture. I looked into doing it before because I thought, oh, that's cool. It's like these magical needles that, that can help people that have diarrhea or a headache or get them pregnant or turn a breech baby. And I looked into it, but it was too much schooling. And so I said, no. And then it was after Dara that's so another synchronicity. It was after Dara, that idea popped into my head. So I went back to acupuncture and I love acupuncture, love it. But as I was doing the acupuncture, this coaching part, realizing that there's these emotional blocks that happen in people and it has nothing to do with a physical injury because you don't just have a frozen shoulder because you slept wrong one night. It just doesn't happen like that. So when you can find that thing that helps that, like, why are you locked up in the, and, and why do we lock up in certain areas? So that in and of itself is just this big mystery that I love solving with that, that client. So that led into the coaching. Rarely do we even talk about physical things, but now it's leaning into all of this stuff in the bio field with tuning forks and vibration of like crystal singing bowls. And so now I'm looking into that and how, how the vibration of music affects the physical body and the emotional spiritual body. So I'm looking into that now too. And I really do think when I describe it, Ron, I always say it's like a, a rose bush that each year there's more roses and more roses and more roses because in, until the, the day that rose bush has nothing left to give, every year it comes back bigger. There's more to give. There's, there's more to discover in us our potential. What are we capable of doing? What else can I do? How else can I show up? I don't think I'll ever be done. I think I'll, I'll do the healing vibration and then there will be, oh, now there's that. <laughs> and all of it, I have a very strong soul compass that may, I feel the best when somebody else who doesn't feel good can feel good. That for me is such a reward. And I think it's only because I got to experience the depths of feeling so horrible. And I mean, even before Dara, that if I didn't experience that, this may not be so strong in me. And so knowing that how bad that feels and knowing how good this feels, oh, it's like, it's just who I've become to be able to be that person to help somebody else and brighten their day, brighten their life and, and just see it because it's a beautiful world. It's a beautiful world we live in. And, and if we change our perspective, we can absolutely live a much better life. So I don't know if I answered that question, but that's kind of my roundabout way of how I got where I'm at. <laughs> Whether you answered it or not, it was informative and educational <laughs> and fun and all that. And it's obvious that you lead your life, do your work with a great deal of enthusiasm, enjoyment, and so on. 
What about times that are set aside for not working? What do you do for fun? Well, for fun, my husband and I just got back from the Black Hills. I love going to the Black Hills. I learned to ride a motorcycle when I was 43, I think. I learned to ride a Harley. And that to me is one of my biggest accomplishments. So we will ride motorcycles. I love being out in nature. So hiking around, riding bicycles. It's usually something physical. Reading books, I guess I I read a lot of books, but I, I love being physically active feels absolutely the best. And in nature, absolutely 100% in nature. Great. And since you uh, did some of this with your husband, uh, can I assume that things got better in, in your family? <laughs> a lot better, which is amazing. He's my second husband. So my children are from my first marriage, which was, you know, another thing that why I got so curious about what was happening, because the chances of a second marriage even lasting has its own statistics. But then a second marriage with stepchildren and the death of a child I mean, those, those statistics are very poor for a marriage to succeed. And our marriage got better than it had ever been because of that event. And that's the thing that I like to share with people and, and with the re- rejuvenating and when people are facing losses, it feels like it's the absolute worst thing that could be going on, whatever, if it's a loss of a house or retiring or moving to a uh, assisted living kind of thing. There's always good that can be harvested, always. In that situation that looks so bleak and so dark, there's always good that can be harvested. It's just not in our awareness. So if we hang in there and we actively seek that, we always can find that thing, the good that's in the situation that's seemingly bad. Yeah. My husband and I are great. (laughs) Great. Real happy to hear that. And as we start running out of time. I know, I mean, you've been a tremendous guest. I know people will want to be in touch with you. And I know you have some programs that you're, that are available to them. And I think I heard somewhere that there might even be a free gift or something. So let me let you, uh, in, in psychological terms, free associate about what you, uh, what you've got out there. How can people get in touch with you and, uh, who should be? So first I would say who should be is anybody who is looking for something more in their life. This life is not mundane. And that's when people are feeling like I've lost my purpose. I've lost my way. I've lost meaning in my life. Any, anybody who's searching for that. I love working with people that are searching for that purpose because it's there. It just got covered up with something. So the easiest way to find me is Nada Hogan. Dot com is my website and nada at nadahogan.com is my email. And I have a couple of programs. I'm working on a three-month program right now, but there's a four-week program available on my website and it's called Dare a New Belief, Creating Your Life by Conscious Choice because we tend to go through life unconscious. Um, and it's named in honor of my daughter, Dare a New Belief, right? So Dare a, Dare a New Belief. The program is spelled D-A-R-E and then capital A-H as in OM-AH for the meditators. And my daughter's name is spelled D-A-R-A-H. So I just had to add an E in there after the D-A-R. So, But it was another way for me to honor my daughter. And I think this is the beauty of all of this because I was saying 
after her passing, how do I honor you? How do I bring you forward every day in my life? Because after a while, people don't want to hear you talking about your child who passed away 11 years ago. I get to say her name every single day because I have this program, Dare a New Belief. So it's her name, right? And then just a new belief tagged on to the end. So that's a a four-week program that's on my website. We're starting a, a brand new community that should be ready to go within the next week or two. And it's uh, nurturing your soul. So it's people who want to be in a group of like-minded people that want to expand and really reach in and feel their full potential and be supported with other like-minded people. And there's a free gift on my website that if you just go to the website, it says right on there, click here for your free gift. And it's three steps on how to live your audaciously passionate life after suffering a loss. Great. And you've been a tremendous role model for it. And I just want to wish you the very best of success. It's a real honor for me to be your friend and to have you on this podcast. And Is there anything I should have asked you but didn't before we quit? I don't think so. And the way I get talking on this, if you did, we may not be quitting for another half an hour. I think you covered everything. And it's such an honor for me to be on this show with you, Ron. And I say this with absolute 100% integrity and honesty that surrounding myself with people like yourself, positive outlook and enthusiastic and aging in a way where it's not even aging. It's just, I'm just still living. There's not even, I don't see age with you. It's just, I'm just living. And I love that. And your message that you're getting out to the world is just, yeah, game changer for people. So it's, this has been my honor and I'm, I'm truly grateful to spend this time with you. Okay. So we both have been honored by this. And I guess (laughs) that means it's probably time to stop. So Uh, looking forward to talking with you again in the future. I know our listeners got a great deal out of this and the very best of success to you, Nathan. Thanks a lot. Uh, Thank you very much, Rania. I appreciate it and best of success to you also. 